Have you ever, when faced with temptation or anger or whatever it is, drugs, or have you ever laid down flat on the ground, arms fed like HPD had you, right? And say, dear God, I'm calling out to you for help. I'm, I'm, please help me. I'm submitting myself to you. I'm not going to get off this ground until I feel your presence. I feel your peace. I feel this desire is gone. What are you willing to do? Hey friends, you're listening to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations facing life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive into today's show. Today we're continuing part two of Victor's message on the character of the new man, coming from Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. In this live message, Victor challenges us to trust and obey God to give us the victory over the strongholds of habitual sin in our lives. Through personal stories of the redemptive power of forgiveness, Victor shares about how it's one of the hardest things to do, even for Christians, but it works. Here is Victor Marks with part two of the character of the new man. God forgives, wisdom does not. You think you can be habitual, habitual abuser of your family, of your wife, of your kid, or stay in a cycle addicted to drugs and there not be consequences, it's not going to happen. That's a, that's a gamble you will lose, my friend. It's better to submit yourself to God Almighty and say, God, every day, Every day, I'm going to live for you. And you say, Victor, but come on, man. You don't know. You don't know. Sometimes things get so tense. And, uh, well, what are you willing to do? What are you willing to do to trust God and obey Him that He'll give you the power to overcome and be, be victorious in, in those circumstances of temptation? Have you ever, when faced with temptation or anger or whatever it is, drugs, or have you ever laid down flat on the ground, arms spread like HPD had you, right? And say, dear God, I'm calling out to you for help. I'm, I'm, please help me. I'm submitting myself to you. I'm not going to get off this ground until I feel your presence. I feel your peace. Until I feel this desire is gone. What are you willing to do? Men who struggle with lust? I never have. <laughs> now, I'll tell you what. There was one time where <laughs> uh, I was struggling with lust. And like for a few days, it was really bad. I couldn't get a hold of it. And it was more than just like a natural man's desire. You kind of, this was evil. It was an evil presence that, and you know, it makes sense because I had spoke at a sex addiction recovery group like a few days before, and I let them, I let them people put hands on me to pray for me afterwards, and I shouldn't have. I mean, I really heard the Holy Spirit say, don't you let that one touch you. I was like, but God, they're going to pray for me. I should have just said, ah, that's okay, you. I don't know you. 
but I didn't. Anyway, I left, and almost immediately for three days, horrible, oh, it was horrible stuff. Do you understand? And I couldn't get a hold of it. I was like, God, and I was calling out to God. And I, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, are you willing to do what I want you to do to break this? I was like, and believe me, after three days of non-victory, I was like, yes, God, please. He said, tell your wife and have her pray for you. I was like, is there another way, Lord? Yeah. Is there a B plan? Is it? It's almost like Jesus asked the paralytic man at the pool of Bethsaida. Remember, this guy has been crippled, and he says, do you want to be healed? Jesus asked him that. What? That's a crazy question. I mean, you think you'd be on the ground. What do you think? I'd be here all the time. I can't even get to the water. Because, you know, the guy with the arm, he like this, but he got feet. He jumps right in there when the angels start. Uh. <laughs> Look at me. Uh, uh, uh. I'm not fat. You would think that'd be a silly question, but God knows the heart of man. And some people like to play the victim. Some people live in that place of, oh, poor me. I can't get no victory. This is the way I am. This is my family. I come from a long line of drinkers. Wife beaters. Fornicators. Mattress tag cutters. <laughs> it's a law. Somebody must be doing it. I mean, for them to... It's illegal. Somebody... I mean, what? What? <laughs> That's funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny right there, man. Little mattress tag cutter. What's that about? <laughs> but God is able. And look, you may be you may be at one point in your life victimized, but you don't have to be a victim. There's a difference. I obey God. I told my wife, honey. I've been struggling. God said to pray for me. Anoint me with all and pray for me. She said, okay, honey. What are you struggling with? I said, lust. She said, oh, have a seat. <laughs> and then she went and got, I ain't lying, she got a bottle of olive oil, sat me down. I thought she was going to do the typical thing. Oh, girl goes like this. <laughs> and it's poured on my head. And then she prayed. But when she prayed for me, she prayed angrily. My wife, she's a princess warrior. But when she started praying, she took authority. She's like, in the name of Jesus, you foul spirits who are coming after my husband, you cannot. I bind you in the name of I mean, she was like, oh. <laughs> and she just went at it and 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 boom. It was, I mean, it was boom, tap out, arm break. I mean, stomping their face in. I was like, go, girl. But guess what? It left me. Left me and never came back. That shows it was demonic. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another. <laughs> Even as Christ forgave you. And this is where I kind of want to start to land the plane. 
I think forgiveness, gang, is one of the, the hardest things for humanity to forgive when somebody's done you wrong. I stand before you today having spoken to about every type of people and, and the one constant is unforgiveness. Even as Christians. Because somewhere along the line, we develop our own plumb line for what we're willing to forgive and what we're not. And let me tell you, unforgiveness in your heart will keep you locked up. It will keep you from experiencing the presence of God in a fresh new way. You can come to church, but you hear Bible studies, and it's not getting into you. Does that make sense? And then you're trying to apply stuff out there, and it ain't working, and you get discouraged, and then you'll end up just going to other things for relief. And sadly, some people go, oh, I tried Christianity, I don't work. And I'm like, oh, oh, it do work. I've seen it. I've seen the effects of the power of God in people's lives, starting with me, what God has done in my life. And that's why I'm committed to traveling and speaking. We put my testimony in a book form because I spend most of my time with kids who are incarcerated around the United States, ages eight years old and up. I've seen the worst of the worst. Not long ago, I sent out with a kid who at 10 years old shot his dad in the head and killed him. It made 60 minutes. And the staff wanted me to come in because they said, you're Victor Marks, you wrote that book? They said, that's the only thing that kid carries with them everywhere. Your book in his back pocket. Because he wrote me a letter, that's why I went and visited him. He said, my name is Joseph Hall. I'm reading your book. Uh, I want to become a Christian. Help me become a Christian. And he said, our lives are similar. And then he said, I'm in jail for murder. He's phonetically M-U-T and then T-E-R, mur. I was like, murder, murder. And I went and visited that kid. And I was like, whoa. And then we made the film. And by the way, the book, we've been able to give out 30,000 copies of my book to kids who are incarcerated or foster care kids because God's doing it. And here's the nutshell of my story. My father was a drug dealer and a pimp who did not claim me as his kid. When my mom got pregnant, he said, that ain't my kid. My mom went up marrying six times in her life. I would go to 14 schools, lived in 17 different houses. At five years old, I was caught by a child molester in Mendenhall, Mississippi in the middle of the summer. I was sexually assaulted, and he tried to kill me by leaving me in a commercial cooler. I wish I could say the, the craziness stopped there, but it didn't. As a matter of fact, my mother would marry different crazy guys trying to repair her own life by thinking, if I just marry another crazy one, I'll fix him. And it'll be okay. It doesn't work like that, woman. You can't fix anybody. You may be good at controlling, but you can't fix. And I had a stepfather who was horribly abusive to us. Beyond the worst things that can happen to get happen. I had another stepfather who was a convicted murderer. Went to Chino Prison for murder. 
And then I found uh, uh, my step. People say, if your parents are messed up, what about grandparents? One of my grandfathers died in a mental hospital. The same one my biological dad had to go to for homicidal tendencies. I just thought, was our name up there? Like on a door or something? It's like the timeshare for the Marxes. And I had to get under psychiatric care because of the trauma I faced. I had 123 visits in nine months to a trauma specialist to try to put me together after I was a Christian. Believe me, it affected me. And so much of that stuff was driving me, which is why I struggled in my marriage. Because I had so much transference of anger on my wife. Because I was really angry at my mom. My biological dad would finally take responsibility for me and reach out to me as a young man. And he apologized for not ever being there. Because a lot of the crap that happened to me would have not happened had he as a father stepped in his rightful place. But he told me that something had happened to him. That's why he could tell me. He said he had given his life to Jesus Christ. I was like, what? He wrote me a letter. And I still have that letter. Because I, I found an organization to take me in to kind of help me. You know, they gave me food to eat, a place to sleep, and an M16. As the United States Marine Corps. Any Marines in here? Former, active, hoorah. And you know what? Man, the Marine Corps was good for me because it let me channel my anger. But I was still empty. And believe me, that's when I started martial arts. And I'd fight. I'd fight anybody, anytime. The MMA guys, me and Hoist Gracie would work out in his garage before UFC. And I'm not saying I was good. I'm an oldster now. But look, I've had my nose broke so many times. I can tell you I block very good with my face. One of the best in the biz. But still empty. And when my biological dad wrote me that letter and he said he had got saved, he invited me to go to church. And I flew down to Louisiana. There he was. And I went to church with him. And you know what? I heard that message again that Jesus died on that cross for me. And that was the day I stopped blaming everybody else for my problems. Because when you've had bad things happen to you, unfair injustices, parents who divorce, parents who cheat, abuse, you can always justify your behavior. But it doesn't make it right. Because the pain you feel, you will do anything to keep it away. In June 22, 1986, I, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. And I got forgiven. And he touched me. And although he didn't make me perfect, I mean, literally did not. When I was up front, for me, I was praying, crying, I was sobbing. An elder came up and put his hand on me and said, can I pray for you? Because I was like, I was a Marine. I was like, stop crying. What are you doing? But when he touched me, I didn't like to be touched. Did not like, don't touch me. And he touched me right here. I jumped up and grabbed him. And I said, you touch me again, I'll break your face, man. I'll put you in the jaw, break you down. I mean, I was making all these threats. And the guy's like, dude, okay. And my dad had come in the front row with his arms stretched out. He says, I know the boy. He'll hit you. Just <laughs> let God do something in him. And God did. God did. And he started that process in my life. And I'm telling you, God is good. But he, he commanded me to forgive others. 
And the main guy I had to forgive was my stepfather, who had abused me so bad that it'd later be made a film about. But I found that man as an adult Christian in my life. I went back and found him. And he had been put in prison, and he escaped prison. He was fled the country. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's crazy what I can't. But I was there when he was on his deathbed in the hospital, praying for him, reading scriptures. Because I told him, man, you're dying. You're going to be dead soon. You're going to hell. Hell, the literal, real place of torment because you've rejected Christ. Not just because of what you've done, especially to me, but what you have done in rejecting God's plan of salvation through his son. And I'll tell you what, he was so hard, I never thought he'd ever change. And yet, the last morning I came in, I walked in, and he, he introduced me to his nurse. He said, hey, nurse, this is my son. He said, I'm proud of him. I never heard the words of my life from my dad. He said, he became a, a preacher man. And he laughed. <laughs> the only one out of any of us. He said he'd been worried about my eternity. But he doesn't have to worry anymore. He said I made it right with God last night. This man. It was such a holy moment the nurse backed away. She left the room and I'm looking at him. I couldn't believe I heard these words from this the hardest man I ever met in my life. What do you do at that point? He got saved. And I... So I took a pillow. And I just placed it. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. That's a joke. <laughs> Don't laugh. That's wrong. I was getting too serious. I did say, Lord, what do you... I don't even know what to say. And my last words to him were, Dad, I love you. And he looked up at me and he said, Boy, I love you too. And I turned around and left the room. And he changed his address not long after that. You know who got free? Not only him, but me. Because of God's forgiveness. Love is the only thing more powerful than hate that I know of. And I encourage you today, if you've never surrendered your life to God, why not? Well, I mean, what's holding you back? You got this? You got your life okay? What's going to happen when circumstances are beyond your control? You can't control them. Then what? What happens when your health fails and you can't do or be? What, what happens when it comes time to die and the wrath of God that is stored up against all sinners will be executed upon you. Because it will. And death will come. I had a friend just pass away. I got to visit him right before he did. And he had a brain tumor. He had two of them. Cancer everywhere. He's the only guy that will make you want brain cancer if your relationship with the Lord is that good. This guy was on fire, a young pastor, 30, like 32 years old, just loving the Lord. And here he is dying, and I was cutting up with him. Half his side was gone already. He cut, you know, he's, 
He wadded up with one hand a piece of paper and threw it at me and hit me in my chest. I was like, what? I threw it back at him, hit him in his head. Like, what? Oh, sorry, I don't want to hurt your head. No, trust me. Yeah, this dude, full Chinese guy, he's funny. Big one. Chinese. And he said, look, he could barely talk. And he dozed off. And I'm, it's just me and him in the room. And this dear brother, he was quiet. And all of a sudden he goes, out of nowhere, he screams out, The wrath of God! And I jumped. I was, I was like, what? What? What is that? It's here. It scared me. I mean, it scared me. I ain't playing. This guy, he's dying. He's just, Wah! And I was like, this is And then he starts rubbing his head. He goes, is satisfied by the cross of Jesus. And then he faded again. The wrath of God is satisfied by the cross of Jesus. That's what it all boils down to. What are you going to do with the cross? What are you going to do with Jesus, my friend, today? Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.